I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Barbara Corcoran's book, which is called If You Don't Have Big Breasts, Put Ribbons on Your Pigtails and Other Lessons <laughs> I Learned from My Mom. We just don't see those kind of titles anymore. <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast that asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? It is me, Eric Williams, and this week we've got Stephen Phillips Horst on the podcast, one of the hosts of the unbelievable Celebrity Book Club podcast. And God, this timing of this recording is serendipitous. But I do want to acknowledge any witch out there that is giving me bad flight luck, uh, Heard you loud and clear, Gurlina. Um, my flight to St. Louis from LA was right before boarding, delayed five hours, and it would have arrived at four in the morning. So whatever twink I pissed off, please just ease up. I get it. I'm flying again soon. And um, just please, everybody, squeeze your crystals for me. But let's get into this week's episode with Steven from Celebrity Book Club Podcast. You've seen that podcast featured in Rolling Stone, The New York Times, uh, Times of London, if you're nasty. He's also written for Interview Magazine, New York Mag. So this is a very exciting ep for me personally, and I hope you love it. I do want to really quickly tell you that the live show preparation is going swimmingly well, and the ticket link for LA is going to be up in mere days, and then um, New Yorkers just say there are things happening, so stay tuned for that. I love you so much. Leave a five-star review if you have not yet. It really makes a difference, and enjoy this app. Steven Phillips, goddamn horse. Thank you for coming on this gay ass podcast. I feel like we have a celebrity himself on the pod today. 
Oh my god, that is so generous of you. Thank you so much. Yes, I do identify as famous, so I appreciate that. <laughs> and your pronouns are what's the Republican joke? My pronouns are my pronouns e- are god. really slash famous. Yeah, oh. <laughs> egot. Oh my god, no, I could only could only dream of achieving an egot like uh, like Jennifer Hudson, who totally has a legitimate egot. Yeah, I want to be just like the most successful egot there is, Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> um, I want to tell you that I've been a fan of yours for a long time, but I want to be vulnerable and tell you why I first became a fan. Is that okay to do so? Mm-hmm. Safe space. <sighs> I first... I'm terrified. <laughs> ...fell into your trap. Was it like on a... a... Okay, no, go on. You were about to interrupt me and I was about to say it. Say it. It was a bulge pick. It was fully <laughs> bulge picks on the internet from you and Eric. And um, once I followed from the bulge, I realized I fell in love with the bulge, but it was the mind that kept me following. And I want to congratulate you on a gorgeous mind and for all intents and purposes, a stunning bulge. Thank you so much. That was the intention. That's really what I've been trying to go for my whole career. You know, you set the honey trap, but then they stick around for the hot takes the scintillating discussion is that um, what you call your bulge a honey trap it's a <laughs> yes it's bathed in honey bears love it um <laughs> no but i i i really appreciate that you know i've always said i want to be hot for a smart second but obviously i think concealed within that is this desire to be seen as the intellectual right um, a person really and i think it's so much harder especially in today's culture to express the desire openly because it's so it's so chic and almost you know nihilistic apathetic to say i just want to be hot sorry hot girls the front you know what i mean and so everyone i think falls into that that trope quite easily um, do you think it's possible to be respected for your mind and your bulge equally i mean nothing is equal there is no such thing as equal um a quantity of anything um or quality of anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> equality or quality well what is gorgeously high quality is your godforsaken celebrity book club podcast i cannot believe it took me as long as it did to start listening because you and lily there's a reason why you've bopped to the top it is so good and i want to give a, a little bit of a preview for what we will talk about later because i can't talk about it right now because i need to ease in for my own sanity but Mm -hmm. this week's episode you go over the book of one Whoopi goldberg who is dare i say my patron saint and so it's kind of happenstance that we're recording the week that that episode came out and i want to thank you for your service freud said there are no coincidences and freud was right i mean i truly want to fuck my mom is that what he said i'm kidding and i don't want to (laughs) You also never said the coincidences thing, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we're zero. there's nothing's equal, nothing's quality. Um, you did importantly dive into Andy Cohen's book in a recent episode, which of course I devoured. What I love about this episode is that you went into it thinking that he was a bit of an evil queen, and you f- walked out of it thinking that he was less Machiavellian. Do you, is that some? Do you feel Andy Cohen today is? Someone you could share a drink with and enjoy that experience? I think I would. I imagine he would be extremely on and like, and I don't just mean like, like fake. I just mean like, you know, amped 
And I think that it might be hard to kind of relax and flirt and sort of draw draw him out a little bit. You know, I like to be a little coy. I like to be wry. Sure. I like to challenge. And I, I could see him maybe losing interest in that <laughs> rather quickly. I so mean, are you in like a dating scenario? Do you like to be chased more? Or do you like to be the chaser? Well, <laughs> you're asking me if I'm a chaser. <laughs> <laughs> are you a chaser? Uh, of course I like to be chased. Who doesn't like to be chased? Um, it's, it's the dream of every woman since, you know, since time immemorial. We all want to be But chased. then who's, and I agree with this, but also then like, who's Someone doing the chasing? Because I think with, when I met Matt, we strictly fell into he was being chased and I was the chaser. But I do... Is that your boyfriend? Not to pry? It's my goddamn husband, if you can believe it. Whoa, okay, sorry, I thought, didn't realize we just entered a Catholic church. Yeah, oh, and, there, and there's drop. the wedding ring, you just waved it on camera, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, bring up anything yeah. that would, um... <laughs> Yeah, clearly you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> For, I wish that was my go-to every time I say I'm married and I just wave with the left hand. <laughs> um, no, I very much was the chaser, and mm. I don't know, I, I think... I like to be chased so in many ways in my life, not just in a relation. So, dare I ask, what's your current romantic status? Okay, I do want to get back to Aniko, but I will say I am uh, of boyfriend experience, and my mm. boyfriend, I, I would say, pursued me. I mean, he was. We were long distance. We were in different states, but he would send me like packages in the mail with like little notes in them. And okay, like, so I'm Catholic Church, and you were Amish girl. Yeah, um, and that was like thrilling and and exciting. And I really, I really was was wooed by that um, quite heavily. But I do think that in the chase chaser chase chasee. Also, my boyfriend's name is Chase, which is interesting. Um, Whoa, no coincidences, said Freud. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel that there is a way to... I think that coyness is like setting a trap for someone to walk into, but then then you can be playful, right? So it's like, I want, I want someone to come to me initially, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, once you're biting your lip, it's like all of a sudden... You get you get to have I get because to me I guess it's about the back and forth right it's about mm. the repartee and mm. I think there's always going to be a little bit of give and a little bit of take and you know I'm going to push I'm going to push the envelope a little bit but then I'm going to open my own little envelope I'm going to see what you do with it and Ooh. so you know and I, and I I want I want everyone to always be kind of like questioning their role and questioning. Who's sending the envelope? Who's opening the envelope? Who is pushing the envelope? Who is folding the envelope? That's where the tension comes from. And tension is erotic. And ultimately, it's like, you know, once the mystery's gone, the intrigue is gone, then you don't want to follow the path anymore. I do want to agree with that. And I want to omit that I said that I was the chaser, period. I do think that I was the original chaser (laughs) in this scenario. And then Matt did a beautiful job of surprising me with that tension because he would out of the blue come up with an idea or be the one to text first or so i do think there is that chasing dance that makes it so erotic i mean the great example is that the second date we had i said to be completely controversial and thinking it was gonna be a total no i said hey if you want to come home with me you can zero pressure and he went yeah and then slept over the fucking slut. So I did not think that that was going to happen. But he chased the 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 bet, if you he, will. But he chased the question. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He chased the question. That's what he was chasing. We have a so in French, um, 
one of my favorite languages. We have a phrase, and it's <laughs> "fuis moi, je te suis." Suis moi, je te fuis. And it means flee me and I follow you. Follow me and I flee. Right. And it's, it's, so it's that, that, that idea that we always want what we can't have. Right. So if like, if you're running after someone, they're going to be running from you. But I think implicit in that is a desire to be running from somebody. Right. Yes. And so, so part of that is always, there's always this give and take and there's always this push pull. And I think behind every coy gesture and every, no, I, no, I'm not interested. You know, there is this kernel because, because the dynamic is there in the first place. And so it's just mm-hmm. about sort of teasing that out. And I think sure. that is, is what's so enjoy about romantic connection and i do think the french know it best although i want to give some evidence that i've never myself slept with a french person unfortunately but while studying abroad my friend did get railed by a french man and i'm not going to say that all frenchmen were like paul but then there was a bit of a jackhammer and it did not feel as good as she wanted sure well, it sounds like your data set needs to expand a little bit because we're looking at a data set of one right now. You know, I don't know if I agree. I think that um, <laughs> Paul kind of... We can draw conclusions about the yeah, I think, I, I think, no, I think I've got enough. Um, have you ever um, fucked a Frenchman? Oh, many, yeah. Mm. Well, I've spent, I've spent a considerable amount of time in France. Um, other than America, I'd probably put France as number two out of countries um, that I've lived <laughs> America in. First, America yeah. first. America first, for sure. But then we go to France for where I've spent days, weeks, even months at a time. Even months. Um, well, then let's go back to Andy Cohen because that was the premier subject for this right. episode. Famously not French. I think Andy... <laughs> so here's something about Andy. So what you, you were saying... Um, you were speaking to the point that I made in my own podcast... Which is that he's actually not that Machiavellian, Machiavellian. Um, He is not this sort of grand puppet master of all these poor women. And he's not this like, you know, this sort of like grand wizard misogynist. Mm -hmm. He's kind of, he's just interested in telling stories. And he really sees these women as his peers and his colleagues. And I think one thing that really spoke to that was, I will will reveal a secret now on on your pod, which is that... Somebody who listens to our pod is friends with Andy Cohen, and they encouraged him to listen to the episode. And he had he responded to that person being like, oh, I saw that they wrote about me on Twitter. Like, I don't think that they liked me and I don't want to listen to the episode. And it, he was very dismissive. And he was kind of and like he had just sort of seen a tweet in passing. And he was just like, you know, what? no. And I'm sure he didn't listen to the episode. I'm sure, like, and this person was like, oh, no, they're really funny. They loved it. Like, they're really interested in it. And he was kind of like, huh. I'm sure he kind of, like, saw that message, moved on, forgot about it. And that's the kind of thing that makes me love Andy, but also I think is why the drink between me and him might not really connect. Because I think he's just kind of, like, on to the next thing. And so, like, he's he's not so intrigued by that that cat and mouse game that I may be trying to play here, where it's like, I'm cleverly implying that maybe i'm gonna rib him a little bit but i'm also interested in like right. teasing out these other ideas about his personality and his role within the culture and he's kind of just like i don't know i think they didn't like me like i don't care bye he just yeah he's like the cat that's just like kind of like going to the, another bowl of milk i do think that that's probably one of his defense mechanisms is to like stay any going that he is which is like follow his bliss and be in control of his narrative so much he doesn't want to even like 
tempt fate to listen to an episode that doesn't just say exactly glowing things right which does you know what and i give him respect too because like i think i'm too emotionally god i don't know what the word is but like if i were to know that someone's husband of a show that i executive produced killed themselves it would be very hard for me to like bring them onto a, the wife onto the reunion and be like so taylor looks like like and then just like make the next beat yeah. of the reunion about your husband's suicide that to me like he clearly has this the ability to compartmentalize thank is, you compartmentalize yes. is really is is quite impressive and of course you know when you describe it like that you you know you would come up with the, your first reaction would be what my anticipation was going into reading his book which is that he's evil right to yeah, be able yeah. to do that there has to be this level of evilness there but i think it's actually he's just has such a like sense of presence and he's actually so in yeah. the moment yeah that he's kind of just like yeah that happened and you know he's not gonna like blame himself forever over that husband's yes suicide. and i want to say that some of the kookiest people i know in like beautiful and unhinged ways are the most present people i know they just have no choice but to see what is in front of them and maximize it and then live fully in that which might be kind of cuckoo to others because it's like well don't you know the context a little bit and does and does that that sense of presence does it also come along with kind of a guiltlessness yes i think that that is probably a sign of a high creative level if you can do that because you're it's just definitely, like an unhingedness yes. It's definitely a high creative level because your brain is just moving towards production and iteration and getting on to the next thing uh, versus sort of wallowing and more of the guilt, which has a narcissism to it, you know, a narcissism to it as well, right? To just be sitting there thinking about like, what is this thing that I did and how does it, you know, what kind of person am I am? Am I, you know, do I seem if that is like what's happening, you know? Not Which that, is the uh, irony, right. too, I think, that if you, like, wallow more in that thinking. Then again, not that Andy Cohen is not a narcissist, because that would be ridiculous to suggest. Well, you can be both. You can yeah. be super present and the en- the narcissist word. Um, <laughs> the N-word. The other N-word. Narcissism. The other well, listen, I do, uh, speaking of keeping things progressing and moving, I do need to ask you, Stephen, the famous gayest podcast question, which is, whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame, babe? Okay, so my first instinct to answer this is my nanny, Heather, uh, who was really into dragons, claimed to be friends with Marilyn Manson, took me to see Blue Man Group, and had mm. a floor-to-ceiling poster of Tori Amos. <laughs> and this was Heather, you said? Yeah. Wow, Heather, an enigma wrapped in a riddle, and like, Manson. And here's the thing. It's like, I was definitely gay at that time, obviously. Like, it's it's mostly nature with a little bit of nurture, and then at the end of the day, it's a choice. And I do believe that it's a combination <laughs> of all those things. And every day I wake up and I do choose homosexuality, but... If and I, I do it again. But if I hadn't been gay at that point, there's no way I could have come out of that, you know, two years of her as my nanny without being gay. How old were you when Heather was in your orbit? Um, Like, I want to say like 9 to 11, maybe. Yeah, 10 wow, to 11, very, like that area. Very impressionable yeah. age, especially because of the That's like of. last, it's like last exit before Brooklyn or whatever. I think that's a <laughs> phrase, right? That's a book, maybe. Uh, 
or like it's like it's like the last chance before the sexuality is really cemented it's kind of like if they're not gonna be gay yet you gotta get it in right now and she was just like Tori Amos like we would watch days of our lives together I would fake having a stomach ache once a week so I could leave school at noon she would pick me up and we'd order with Heather yeah to be with Heather and we'd watch so I could at least get one episode a week which for you know a, a soap opera is kind of all you need it's all you need. And there's something so comforting about the name Heather. What I envision, and please don't tell me if I'm wrong. What I envision is Heather has dirty blonde hair that goes down to her shoulders. <laughs> He's rolling. Yeah, looking around. Uh, she um, would wear like a light purple shirt. Um, but her jeans kind of like had a bagginess to them. And she always had a, a ring of keys that were really jangly. Okay, the jangly keys is extremely accurate. I mean, okay, okay. I, to me, there's nothing more babysitter than jangly keys. And like nine, 90s babysitter, it's jingle fucking jangle all over there. <laughs> um, she was, I mean, she was more like alt, like as you are, maybe are getting from the whole like dragons and Mar- Marilyn Manson. And like, she was more like bottle blonde, like proxibon, like long hair straight. She was a big girl. She was like very kind of alt mall, like pale red lips. Oh, I she love a, her. She had a um a lipstick tattoo of her own mouth on her like decolletage, like right here. She I was, wonder what she was doing with that emotionally. Like, is it like? Uh, well, you want to know what person? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> Do you want to know what she was doing with it emotionally? Um, she was a live. She lived in our house on the and um. I later found out, like, years after she was our nanny, and then my brother revealed to me that she had actually been running one of the very first solo porn sites out of her bedroom. You're kidding. Yeah. Wait, out of, out of, in your house? Yeah. (gasps) Isn't that iconic? That is, okay, Heather continues to amaze years after. Um, So she, I mean, you know what she's giving? She's giving um, from Euphoria... The girl that does the the campsite. Um, yes, absolutely. Yes, I love that for her. Did and you only found out about this years later, right? You didn't know about this like s- close no, to. No, I didn't. I found out she had a website. I believe it was Wild Child. Both of those words spelled with a Y. Um, <laughs> she was all because at the time, like I was like, I knew she had her Kama Sutra books and she had her digital camera, and I was always like, Heather, like, what are you doing with your digital camera? Do we One think those- Heather was queer? I mean, by today's definition, she is like extremely <laughs> queer. Because um, just to be like even remotely mall or alt or like be a cam girl is to be queer. But I feel like, you know, if she only had boyfriends as far as I know. God, I do love that idea of the jingle fucking jangle babysitter who made. Because the thing is, I growing up didn't necessarily have a heather that was deeply kind in that way that stuck around long enough we did have someone that uh babysat and then stole my parents credit card so she kind of got okay the boot. canonically queer <laughs> go off winona bitch yeah. um but <laughs> mother I, come on stand. mama <laughs> Um, yeah, we always get the best stuff from Macy's. Uh, but I will say that we, I had a babysitter when I was young, young, young named Liz, who was this older black woman that was like a true angel. And one of my queerest 
early memories was visiting her at her house and seeing her wigs everywhere and you better believe i put on liz's wigs oh wow wow that's so beautiful i do think she had cancer and that's uh partly why she was really uh, yes you know she probably had wigs before but also um she was so kind to let this you know 10 year old gay boy take her wigs and parade around her her oh, home that's so beautiful the the permission right what we talk about when we talk about permission mm, what we talk about can we all can we make, make a moment uh for just an appreciation for all of the female babysitters who made us who we are i'm now recalling again as we do this moment um, one of my earlier nannies, um, one of the first jinglers to ever jangle, um, <laughs> Nora, who I'm actually still friends with. She's she's retained a relationship with our family forever. And I was five. And I would pretend to be a female figure skater. <gasps> and I would ask her to announce me as I like entered onto the kitchen floor. And then I would like slide across the hardwood floors. And Nora. I would be like, okay, like announce me as Veronica. <laughs> talk about permission yeah which is like kind of one of the sexiest names you can think of when you're five uh, uh, by the way steven all of these names in your lives are inspired nora heather call me announce me as victoria i had a, a neighbor who she did ultimately also make me queer because she had a baby at 16 and um before she gave birth she would come over and i would force her to listen to me scream about pippi longstocking's theme song Pippi Longstockings coming into your world. Was that? I'm not familiar with that. Was that like a cartoon on like? I don't. I think it was a book and a cartoon, and it had a theme song. And I remember forcing her to pretend that we were in a storm, and um, be incredibly dramatic while we were on the boat. And of course, I think I played Pippi. Was she? Was she like you know? rattle the the shutters or whatever she would riddle rattle and rustle (laughs) i mean yeah it was and she i wish i unfortunately i think her name was liz i think her name was liz which is a little less inspired than nora but (laughs) yeah we do what we can (laughs) yeah liz is not necessarily like activating that like fabulous diva worship gene (laughs) i know but the the teenage pregnancy does activate more than her name i would say oh for sure I think I knew, I think I knew inherently finding out that she was having a kid at that age that it was sort of alternative and not in the mainstream. And I yeah. probably felt some sort of kindredness with of her course. just knowing that I was not allowed yeah, you know, you to were exactly like, be what I was. She was like, you know, she was a witch. You had the scarlet letter and you were like, bitch, me too. Like, you bitch, know? me too. Which, by the way, it's no surprise that we're all obsessed with witches. I mean, when I got to go to Salem for the first time, the first of one time, but I will be back. I could not feel, I, I was so excited to not only, of course, see the Hocus Pocus on location sites of filming, but <laughs> like, I, I've becoming kind of a witchy crystal girl. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, the commercialization of Salem and witch culture is super problematic because obviously oh, sure. the history is super dark. And being from Massachusetts, we like do read The Crucible, which also I'm sure you read if you're not from Massachusetts. <laughs> um, what if I was like, no, I'm not familiar. 
Yeah. But I remember thinking it was like, wow, damn, this is some real woman on woman crime here. Like these teen girls are just fucking pointing fingers left and right. Truly. But I do find that I know you're being a little silly about the commercialization. But did you see that clip recently of um, oh, take two. It's not even a clip. It's I was going to talk about how like tarot and crystals. It's becoming such like a TikTok. Yeah, I almost thing. think at the saturation so far, it's maybe like it peaked maybe. Oh, maybe. Well, the reason I bring it up is because, and speaking of Andy Cohen, I was watching Vanderpump Rules recently because it's in my contract with God. And James Kennedy's new girlfriend has become or says that she's a huge tarot girl and she wants to like be a professional tarot reader for her life. And I do you do you read into the cards as they're pulled? I mean, I think everyone enjoys having someone talk to you about yourself so you know to that extent i love tarot i love i'm a huge asmr fan i love watching asmr videos like tarot accomplishes that same thing you're sitting there and someone's just like wow okay interesting so you're the kind of person who really thinks about decisions uh sometimes (laughs) but sometimes you don't and you're like oh my god that's me how did you how did you know that? I do love just like, that. I do love any blanket <laughs> statement. I recently uh, went to the acupuncturist and he put his three, three fingers on the side of my wrist and he goes, you're really impatient, aren't you? And <sighs> even though it was an insult, I loved hearing it because I was like, you're right. And read me, bitch. Yeah. And, and I think that you love the idea that your personality is so interesting that it's mm. that it's that visible to someone right that it comes through so obviously like when you're like wow you're right i am special i'm probably more impatient than the average duck and you can just read <laughs> it from my wrist alone my delicate yet masculine little wrist. yes i know he just he just continues to say like negative traits about me and i'm just like in, obsessed with yeah i am the most rude person you've ever met right well because you know what's our greatest fear right that we don't matter and well, so it's when, the whole thing about like if you die on a plane crash and there's a celebrity on that plane. And the headlines don't include you. Oh, my God. You know, I the way that I think about this, every single time the plane is taking off, I'm running through the obit in my mind. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like up and coming comedian among <laughs> victims on flight 306. And I'm like, is that story hitting like two days after the plane crash story a week after and it's a separate story? Or is it just like not even hitting and it's very See, page C10? You're writing, you're writing the obit and you're also planning the reception and the timing of it. I love your mind. Yeah, it's it's a it's a disease. <laughs> it's made flying a little difficult for me in recent years. Well, it's by the way, like clearly you're doing something right because Celebrity Book Club has gotten coverage in The Grey Lady, in The Rolling Stone, in yeah. Boston Globe. If you're nasty, I just I love the takeover. How did what is there is there a secret that you tell the girls? Do you have friends that are like, okay, Stephen, how do I get into literally PinkNews.com? Um, you know, press is an interesting beast, and I will say there's there's no easy road. Um, but you have to be incredibly attractive and talented. So start there. Well, sure. And the bulge, the bulge, of course, was the entree. But I think that people assume that press is easy, 
or that it just comes because you're, you know, be, oh, if well, if something is popular, then you're going to get press, or if it's, but the reality is there actually is a very specific alchemy to it, um, and I think it involves cultivating relationships with members of the media over years at a time, mm. um, and you know, sorry to burst the bubble and peel the curtain back, but that's the reality. I am very active on Twitter. I, you know, I'm also kind of like, you know, I. I'm a reader. I've had a column on many websites. I've been do I've been pitching, cold pitching reporters about myself for years. And so then when you get to the point where you've been following someone on Twitter for a long time and they've been following you, you know, all of a sudden these relationships feel less foreign. And when they hear your name, maybe they're more likely to be interested in what you're doing. Or when someone yeah. else, you know, which you know, pitches you to them, which is even better, then they're like, Oh yeah, I know that guy. I like him. I follow him on Twitter. You know, he follows me back. There, there's a there's a goodwill that's been engendered there. And you because you've been doing the work. True. I also want to say that what I've realized is how relationshipy every single thing professional and otherwise is like if you i think and that's probably why i have enjoyed doing this podcast is like if you prove to be a genuine person that is not just a climbing and a climber mm. and connect in a real way then it actually like that does a lot of the work for you versus yeah. what i think we're a lot of us are told like if you want to get just like you say with like andy cohen with all the girls that are like i'm a woman in business like i feel like if you come forward just saying i'm a, a business person and what can i get from you it's icky dicky yeah and you know very early on in my career when i was like I had, you know, I had a web series or I would like do, you know, some other little thing that was trying to get past for. Yeah, there would be a little bit more of that, like, you know, trying to get something out of people without necessarily having a relationship to back it up. And, and it's less successful, but sometimes it, you know, sometimes you get somewhere, sometimes you don't, but even then you still, you still got to know what you're doing. And so, you know, if you want, if you want press, then like, you need to know, you need to, you need to start reading press, honey. Okay. Honey. You need to pick up the newspaper. Honey. You need to know, and you need to have some writers that you like, and you know you have to you have to have some work that you're engaging with before you totally. just want to jump into the pool. Damn, good advice from Steven. And you know what? I I would be remiss if we, speaking of advice, did not get into Whoopi Goldberg's 2011 book, uh, just because it's so deeply personal to me. Her book is that you cover in the podcast. If someone says you complete me, run Whoopi's big book of relationships. God, this episode was so good. And I'm going to give away that at the end of every episode of this podcast, I do ask about Whoopi Goldberg. So this is partly why this is so big. Oh, to my me. God. Um, wow. And Sister really Act serendipitous. Two, yeah, it's it's very serendipitous. And Sister Act 2 is what I actually credit as making me gay. Um, so it was a shock when I found out that Whoopi talks so much about loving the smell of her own farts. Really ta uh, went behind the curtain there. You also even say that she could veer towards scatological. Mm. Well, just because of the sheer number of mentions of farting and personal smells and gas that happens in this book, where it's like, you say it once and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's like a joke that a any stand-up would make. Just like, oh, uh, you know, when you've been in a relationship for three years and then you just don't even try to hide the farts anymore. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that's a kind of a normal hacky joke. But by the ninth mention of farting in this kind of <laughs> slim book, I was a little bit like, whoopee, something's going on here. Well, it's also that I love that you keep on talking about how often it seems that she is maybe asexual. I think we've all always thought that about Whoopi. Her sexuality is a bit of a, you know, uh, it's it's a box. It's a lock yeah. box. It's what, yes, you know, yes, what, yes. What's, what's in there. 
And like Pandora will not be open. She's had all these relationships and marriages, but none of them have worked out. So what's going on there? And, you know, I think like especially because, you know, when you're super famous, this in the 90s, it's like, yeah, you get married to some other guy or whatever. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it totally explains. Oh, I don't think that just means that she's so horny. But then she is always talking about getting fucked in the book and how you want to climb on someone. And she has all these hit and runs, which is how she refers to um, one night stands. So uh, I find it I find it still very curious because I think visually and aesthetically she presents as a mostly butch lesbian and has for for some time which i think is partly what was a thing that i felt so like i i loved about her so much and then when i found out that she had been married to men it did ping if you will it did kind of oh that's okay that's a that's a fact but I mean, the fact that she's, you know, been married three times and then, of course, her famous quote about she doesn't want a stranger in my house we love. But then the fact that she says that she's attracted to minions, she's continually keeping us guessing. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, you look at somebody like Queen Latifah, for example, who, like, I guess is kind of, like, out now in this way. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Um, For years, she never was, like, marrying men. You know what I mean? Right, And that's why you're like, okay, you're just a closeted lesbian. But with Whoopi, it's like all the men marrying while still coming off as such a lesbian. You're like, maybe the equation, the sort of on the other equal sign is asexual. You know, like, there's just something kind of mismatched about it. And the book is very nonspecific. It's like, there's just something where she's just like, I just don't like being in relationships. I don't like having someone around. And you're like uh-huh <laughs> well that's it's kind of like when you're closet and you just try to keep things general or like yeah. you try not to say anything too specific about the girl you're pretending you have a crush on right it's just like if i may reference the queer film uh 40 year old virgin where he <laughs> describes breasts, queer film <laughs> not a queer film where he describes the breasts even though he's never actually you know felt them he's like yeah they're like sandbags like it's giving Whoopi goldberg talking about <laughs> fucking is giving it is a little 40 year old virgin yeah it's a little 40 year old virgin she's kind of giving that i will also say um so her book is called if someone says you complete me run Whoopi's big book of relationships there was like an era in memoir writing where you could have a really long title and that's definitely behind us now it's all about like just <laughs> one the, word the one word title but it just made me think um of Barbara Corcoran's book, which is called If You Don't Have Big Breasts, Put Ribbons on Your Pigtails and Other Lessons <laughs> I Learned from My Mom. We just don't see those kind of titles anymore. Wait, can you please help me unpack? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. If, uh, can you say the title again? If you don't have big breasts, put ribbons on your pigtails, colon, and other lessons I learned from my mom. So are we saying that the ribbons are distracting from the small breast and so you're yes. still making a big impact? And not so much distracting from the small breasts, but attracting attention. Uh, where where a lack of breast would maybe cause someone the eye to pass by, if you will. Sure. The gaze to not penetrate. Attached to the the pigtails are those like spinny like things where you blow with air. <laughs> I hope Barbara. I hope Barbara's mother really told her to (laughs) make a big statement with her pigtails. Now I'm picturing like um, Panto, like that sort of British drag that they did on that one season of um, UK Drag Race, where it's like so (laughs) crazy. I mean, it also existed before UK Drag Race, but no, I think I think they started it. (laughs) You know, where it's just like this really extreme, like crazy doll kind of drag, where you got like glitter rouge and like you look like an old crazy lady, but as a baby. Well, Barbara Corker and I find we I love to see her journey with being plugged into the current era of social media, like her TikTok videos. Oh her my TikTok. god. It's so un there's something really uncanny about it. There is. And I also it kind of brings us to Bethany Frankel's TikTok, which is like everything drips with a plea for help. Um, I mean, she's the she's the most stressful person to sort of like experience in any capacity i can't imagine what it must be like to be around her in person um and unfortunately i was like really team bethany when it was like the golden age of real houses of new york but how how far i mean i i identify with her i'm quite i can be quite anxious and controlling so i i do see myself as a bethany and i think i also love her on i think she's really capable as a narrator of the show and she's really good at like driving the plot and you know, uh, helping the viewer understand what's going on and mm-hmm. having quips and being funny and kind of rolling her eyes at like everyone else being ridiculous on the show. I think she's great in that role. Yeah. As sort of the like caffeinated voice of reason. 
Exactly, which I think is why I sometimes get angry at people's criticism of Kyle Richards on Beverly Hills, because I actually think that she can be the audience surrogate, even though she, you know, what are, I even I don't even know how why people criticize. I mean, like, yeah, she sometimes stays outside of the drama, but who, whatever. I, I will come out as someone who's only watched like three episodes of Rahoba, so I don't know Rahoba. Uh, Kyle's role very Listen, well. I, I, and I appreciate this honesty, but I do know that um, we have to, speaking of powerful women, ask the next podcast question, which is, my dear friend Stephen, if the world was ending, you could only save one character actress, who would you save? Well, now when you say character actress... You are an anxious, heady queen. It is a woman. <laughs> it is a woman who I, ha, has donned a single chapeau or a single accent or is just a woman who has been in films that you love. I'm really loosey-goosey when it comes to the character actress moniker. But, like, for example, Nicole Kidman is just straight up not a character actress. But she has been argued as such, and I think that she is because of Nine Perfect Strangers. That Russian accent with the blonde wig put her into that uh, category. That's my personal take. But listen, if you want to go with someone else, you know I support. This is a very gay safe space. Wow. Okay. So uh, things that are coming to my mind are just like some of my favorite actresses. Because Let's been... dive in. I love Jennifer Garner, uh, even though... I'm going to quote a friend of mine who said, I think that she went into character and catch and release and never came out. And I think that she has been this like weird Christian mom for the past 12 years and like is and can't not be Christian mom in every single role that she's been in. Um, But I love her and Alias so much. And I'm always rewatching that show for the 11th time. And I think that she's so brilliant. What? Um, Wait, this is a really controversial answer because she is... And I want to say that this still is a safe space, but she really has, I think, dived, doven, divined into the Christian mom uh, character. I mean, Love, Simon, there was something about the coming out scene that made her do no wrong in my book. Is that okay to say? Yeah, I remember loving that scene also in the movie. That movie was so bad, and it was like such an ad for itself. But like, It was, and but sh- that scene was like so well, like it clearly played to all of us girls who, if we had written our coming out scenes, it probably would have been... I don't remember it. I'm guessing Garner. she was um, accepting... <laughs> the sign is that <laughs> she she actually called him a faggot no she actually was very <laughs> accepting and like um i don't even remember but it's also similar to um god um olivia coleman in heartbreakers it was it didn't go as far uh as the jennifer garner coming out scene but it, it got the job done that she, reference you know, is going right over my head but i love olivia coleman in um the whatever that movie is where she's the queen what's it called the chosen the the that's high in Potok's book. Um, I'm kidding. I don't know what um, I... The one where she's fucking Emma Stone and it's in the past. <laughs> I'm so bad with the Queen stuff and it's really devastating for me to admit that. Okay. I also love Carrie Russell. I think it's a crime she never got an Emmy for The Americans. Um, oh, one of the greatest crimes great one. perpetrated against uh, both America and women in general. I And listen, I think that the Oscar should have gone to her for Waitress. 
Oh, I never saw a waitress, but I agree. Oh, Steve. <laughs> I would one day love to bake a pie and watch Waitress. Because, by the way, it, of course, became a very gay Broadway musical. But right. the movie is uh, just the movie is like, of course, also has a crazy storied history with the, you know. Der- the girl the, getting what, murdered. I, yeah. Yeah. Like the star slash director or writer getting murdered. Like. I that's I don't even I love true crime but that to me is too close to home because I watched Waitress in a friend of mine's home at the time that was a very sort of rife place full of danger because she had a really straight dad and brother but also she introduced me to Waitress so I felt a very big push pull there but the chocolate chip cookies were good you know mm. um Anywho, I do think Carrie Russell is a... I mean, all of these answers are really speaking to me, and I want to thank you for that. Okay, and then I'll also just say quickly that, like, I'm kind of like... I think I was trying to be a little bit too conceptual when you first said that, but I will say, like, my hands-on favorite actresses are Cameron Diaz and Kate Hudson, Mm -hmm. and, like, they're the queens of all queens. Like, they invented, like, having fun, in my opinion. Mm. Um, And The Sweetest Thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, my God, I love that movie so much. And their their joy and lust for life and ability to say fuck you to anyone who thinks that like enjoying a rom com is ironic, quote unquote. You know, they are they are so uh, and then of course they're very talented and they they give these like layered vulnerable performances and they and they've done drama. Um, they have, and I was nervous to see Kate Hudson in the Glass Onion film, knowing how upset. Kaylee Cuoco was about losing out on the role, but then Kate Hudson fucking killed it. I didn't see Glass Onion, but I'm sure she did kill it. What you need to see with um, Kate Hudson is a movie where she plays a New Orleans-based ad exec who gets colon cancer, and she falls in love with her doctor, who's played by Gael Garcia Bernal. Ooh, yeah. It's really random. I You will sob. You will cry. It's beautiful. No one's seen it. What's and the name of it? I couldn't tell you. I'm, I and like... why would you? Um, I thought you were describing the the um, Kate Hudson New Orleans movie where she was the at home nurse, the Skeleton Key. <laughs> oh, it's that's like a horror film. Like yeah, a, and it's one of the only kind of horror a... films that I can say with full confidence I would watch over and over. You know what I will say is a Kate Hudson movie that doesn't succeed is Le Divorce. Um, oh. with her and Naomi Watts, where it's like the oh. castings just those are two women who should actually never be in the same movie. Where it's like, <laughs> as much as I love Kate Hudson and she can do drama, like Naomi Watts is just too on another, like always trying to get the Oscar planet. And it's like, yeah, the, we're the, not in the same play. We're not it's in the same just, play. They're not in the same play. And they're sisters. It makes no sense. Oh, no. Well, I will say I'm really proud of you for making a stance about your. Very funny and amazing co-host Lily, who said that Cameron Diaz was in the movie Hitch, uh, this most recent You know what? Podcast. Yeah, and she made this whole big apology on social media for it, and I'm glad that she did. But when that happened in our recording session, just to peel pack the curtain for a second, like, I I was shocked because I was like, I don't remember seeing Cameron Diaz in Hitch, but it's been so long, like, maybe yeah. she was, sure. And she kind of just, like, steamrolled through it. <laughs> <laughs> with all this confidence so i wasn't gonna like stop and and you know try and like take the show down to like fact check this one thing and at the end of the show our producer um comes over the the headphones and she was like so i just wanted to point out um <laughs> that that actually was amber valletta in hitch and then she was like 
so do you guys want me to take out that whole segment or like really kind of like because she just started working with us and it was like thinking like we're such like journalists that we would never want that to be out there <laughs> and i was like oh no this is staying in and lily's gonna make a big apology for it on social media oh see you are a press king god yeah. you're good well you know i knew it would get engagement so <laughs> listen engagement boyfriend husband or otherwise we love a good engagement um <laughs> god this is all so fucking good and i'm glad you peel back that curtain which unfortunately does lead me to the final question of this podcast which oh i know i know it's very circum no it's very coincidental that the Whoopi goldberg episode came out because the question is steven what is the best Whoopi goldberg film well, I mean, the thing coming to my mind is this direct, too, obviously, because I think I will also say this about movies that made us gay. I think it had to, a lot to do with what the cable, various cable networks were running from between mm. 3 and 6 p.m., mm-hmm. like b- between the years of like 1996 and like 2004. And Sister Act 2 was on TV a lot. And so we saw it. So was Made in Manhattan, another one of my favorite films that absolutely, Mm. you know, cemented my homosexuality and my love of hotels. For me, it was also The Wedding Planner, speaking of. You know what's funny? I think Made in Manhattan is like 10 or 20 times as good of a film as The Wedding Planner. Well, then I need to rewatch Made in Manhattan because I maybe saw it once and I... um... The Wedding Planner is fine. It's kind of a hokey, you know, oh, she's so uptight and he's so freewheeling, like whatever. But it doesn't really take place in a real world. It's in San Francisco vaguely. They like go to a vineyard at one point. It's kind of all over the place. Made in Manhattan is a a vital, visceral, seething portrayal of this this underbelly of the underclass of like all of these maids who are friends with each other. And you know, it's kind of an upstairs downstairs kind of story. And you know, and it's very JLo. She is living in the Bronx, like taking the train into Manhattan. She's very on the six vibes. And you know, <laughs> you see, it's it you it's there's a real set. There's something very tangible there, right? Mm. You know, there is this world, and it's and Manhattan is this place where people of all walks of life like clash you know in and and overlap and there's so much tension and excitement there and it's mine very well for comedy natasha richardson it's brilliant rest in peace in that movie but i think like you you can really hold on to something in that film and the new york in there is so specific and so Mm. lived in and so real and the title of the film has wordplay and if that's not queer honey honey if a if a pun isn't queer it's not a pun bitch Wow, very good, very good pitch, and I will be rewatching if unless I just never saw it and I just pretended I had because I saw the cover so many times, which is clearly something I've been um, afflicted with with a lot of these films. I'm like, uh huh, I have, I have, and then I watch it. I'm like, never once in my life. M- Mandela uh, effect. You think you've seen Man in Manhattan? Truly, it's like, well, it's like you know, gay people. We feel like we probably like I've already, I had already seen death becomes her but then when i actually watched it during the pandemic i was like i have never seen this and that is partly why this gay ass podcast is even here because i made a video about it about having a gay ass movie blah 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 blah. and here we are but speaking of steven i sadly have to end this episode but can you tell us before we go where can people follow you what's what's the plug Wow. Well, social media is one of those things that allows me to connect with my fans all over the world. So I'd encourage you to open that portal and check me out on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is Gossip Babies. Um, I'm sure you've seen probably a tweet that I made that became a viral meme on one of the many meme accounts you follow. Um, I am viral in all 192 countries. 
that are a party to the UN. And my Instagram handle is Buddha underscore PH. And there's not so many bold pitch on there, but maybe I'll try to put some more bold picks out there because clearly they're effective. They are. They really had a, a lasting impact on me. And thank you for that. Sure. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. And I hope to be able to report back telling you how much I loved Made in Manhattan. Oh, I can't wait for you to watch it. Yeah, settle in with your husband. <laughs> Bling. <laughs> Bam. Thanks for listening to That's a Gay Ass Podcast. Just a little reminder that the ticket link for the LA show on April 27th is coming up soon. And there's more excitement in the works for my friends on the East Coast. I love you so much, and I'll see you next week. <laughs> you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.